Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to season one, episode nine of our not so brand new anymore mm. podcast, Learning from Our Legends. I'm Layla. And I'm Lena. And we are your hosts. And today we are going to be starting the final of the Four Best Women of Paradise series. Um, and today is about Asia bint Muzahim, mm-hmm. who was the wife of Fir'aun. And also the foster mother of Musa Yeah. So we'll start with the hadith of the Prophet where he says, uh, Many amongst men attained perfection, but amongst women none attained the perfection except Maryam, the daughter of Imran, and Asia, the wife of Fir'aun. And so these two women are known as the most perfect in terms of their iman and they're kind of an example for all of us mm-hmm. and we all we already went through Maryam and Islam yeah. and her virtues and we can see what made her so special yeah and if you listen to that you would understand why she's mentioned in this hadith yeah so we'll start with a little bit of a history lesson <laughs> so we're gonna go back to ancient Egypt and as I say that, I realise that, what is that, like 3,000 years BC or something like that? Girl, I don't know. Because that doesn't sound right anymore. Many years. <laughs> Once upon a time. Once upon a time in ancient Egypt. There we go. Okay. Once upon a time in ancient Egypt. Well, okay. If you know about ancient Egypt, you know that they had like a class system where you had the pharaoh who was like supreme ruler. Like it was a full on dictatorship. Yeah. He was and kind of like the king of the... But then you have more than one. No, because that's... Like, when one would die, then the next one would come up. Okay, question. Yeah. Were they, like, family... So it was like, if, for example, the brother dies, the next brother comes up? Or was it just anybody? Yeah, man. They were all killing their brothers to be the next one. So it is, like, the, the yeah, family ran in the tree, family. basically. Okay. Yeah, so it was a monarchy. Yeah. So the Pharaoh at the time... Um, I mean, a lot of people speculate that the pharaoh at the time of Musa Islam was Ramses II and oh. yeah and Ramses II his well again there's there's so much speculation because it's so it's been a thousand like thousands it's been thousands of, years, of yeah. years a lot of people argue that it's not actually him but you know there's that mummy in the yeah. museum in in Cairo yeah so so what people are arguing that he could not be it might not be him. Yeah, I was having a conversation with someone and they were like, well, surely his body was in the ocean. Not only that, Allah Allah basically says that he's going to preserve Firaun's body as a, um, basically like a demonstration to others. Exactly. So I think part of the miracle is even if it was at the bottom of the sea, it still like, somehow Allah made it found. like it was recovered and the people knew that this was the old king and blah, blah, blah. And it's blah. pretty preserved as well. Yeah, it's actually see, a bit like, scary. features, it is. Yeah, it's freaky. So this Pharaoh was quite possibly the worst person who's ever lived because yeah. he was everything that went against everything Allah tells us to be and he was cruel. He was, evil. He was tyrannical. He was straight up evil, to be honest. And he believed he was God as well, isn't it? Exactly. He did the worst sin, which was shirk, and he associated partners with Allah, but through himself. So it was even worse. So we're going through like a whole different sidetrack here. But yeah. Was it Fir'aun who basically said, um, somebody questioned him and said, if you're God, you can give life and death. And he basically got two like slaves and killed one and said, look, I've given him death and I've allowed the other one to live. 
No, so that was the King Nimrod who was um, another tyrannical ruler at the time of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Okay. But Firaun very much had that same mentality. In fact, he would say to the people, فَقَالَ إِنِّي رَبُّكُمُ الْأَعْلَى I am your highest lord. He would teach the people mm-hmm. that I am... Basically say, I am your lord. Yeah, and so people were expected to worship him and revere him as such as well. And so at the time, Bani Israel were like another race living in Egypt. And they were kind of seen as inferior to the Egyptians. And so they were enslaved and they were used as basically labor. So if you look at all these pyramids and stuff today, Mm -hmm. a lot of them were built through like slaves and stuff. And the enslaved people were Bani Israel. That must have been very difficult for them because if you look at the pyramids, they're massive. And the things they used must have been very heavy. And they didn't have like what we had, like tractors and all this cranes and things like that they're apparently huge i've actually never seen the pyramids in person but even if you look on the pictures i've actually seen one picture of the pyramid like behind the city and it looks huge i need to see that picture i'll show you actually but um so Bani israel were being persecuted and oppressed by the egyptians obviously all of this is happening with the say so of pharaoh so another thing that happened was that pharaoh actually had a dream mm-hmm and in this dream a fire appeared from Beit al-Maqdis and um, it surrounded like the whole of Egypt and burnt all the Copts so basically the Copts were um, crops you mean no not crops the Copts it's a word so it's like the native people of Egypt oh like the Coptic people okay and um, so it burnt all of them to ashes but it didn't affect the Bani Israel. And he went to the astrology to basically get an interpretation of this dream. So he was probably petrified by this dream, didn't understand it, and wanted to get an interpretation. Yeah. And the astrologist told him that a boy will be born in the Bani Israel who will cause the fall of your kingdom. So then from mm-hmm. that interpretation came the killing of the sons of Bani Israel. But it will alternate. So one year they will kill the sons. And then the second year, they will allow them to live. And then that's when Musa was actually born in one of the years where they would actually kill the sons. Yeah, and his brother Harun was born in one of the safe years. Yeah. So Musa was born in this year where obviously the Bani Israel, their sons would be slaughtered. And by the way, the reason why they wouldn't kill them every year was purely because they needed to breed more slaves. Ah. Yeah. So... Obviously, ideal situation for Pharaoh would be if there was Just no... Just kill everyone, yeah. Yeah, but they needed to keep the race alive in order to keep enslaving them. They needed the them. hierarchy, isn't it? They needed the hierarchy and they needed the labour. Wow. Yeah. And so, like, actually, we have to pause at that bit because that just already tells us what sort of person Pharaoh is. Mm-hmm. But then, you know what? Why didn't he think, oh, the sun can be born, like, from the years where you're allowing them to live? But he had to allow some to live. I see, yeah. But look at the way Allah did it. On the year, basically, they killed their sons. Musa was born. Yeah, because, like, Pharaoh was trying to control the situation. Yeah. But Allah was basically showing, like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, you're not you have God, no you control. control yeah. I don't know. I heard somewhere that initially he was going to kill them every year. And then that's when they realized that there was no... It wouldn't have worked out. There was no sons being brought up. And then who would the Bani Israel like? How would they keep reproducing? So it's so twisted because, number one, he's a control freak. Number two, he's... An oppressor. Oppressor, killing children. And number three, he's so evil that he's keeping them alive because he still needs slaves and yeah. labour and 
that power. So Musa was born and obviously the mum had a problem because any child who was born, they would be immediately like taken by the soldiers of the palace and killed. And so she was in a predicament where she kind of wanted to hide him. Mm-hmm. But also, you can't hide a baby because they cry. Yeah. And so it was a matter of time before the guards would find him. And this is kind of like when Allah directly inspired her to just basically... I was listening to this talk by... Oh, I can't remember her name. And she said that, um, obviously, as a mother, you're going to be scared and you want to keep the child protected. And it goes back to like... Um, just having that motherly instincts, isn't it? Yeah. So she said that she fed Musa, and then when she felt, like, terrified, because obviously there was bound to be a time where the soldiers, like you mentioned, would yeah. come and take the son away, um, to put him in a basket and, like, place him in the River Nile. So that's what she did. She basically put her trust in Allah, just like how the other women did as well, like Maryam, uh, Khadija, and Fatima, and just trust Allah, have that tawakkul in Allah, and place the baby in the basket and basically asked Moses' sister to follow from a distance. Yeah, yeah so it says in ayah number 7 of Surah Al-Qasas, it says, وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَىٰ أُمِّ مُوسَىٰ أَنْ أَرْضِعِيهِ So we inspired the mother of Musa to feed him. فَإِذَا خِفْتِ عَلَيْهِ فَأَلْقِيهِ فِي الْيَمِّ وَلَا تَخَافِي وَلَا تَحْزَنِي And if you feel fear for mm-hmm. him, then... Put him in the river and don't be scared and don't be sad. So I think this is kind of reminding me of how, you know, with the last one when we were talking about Maryam alayhi salam, like mm. Allah, he still, he gives a little bit of a clue about the future. Yeah. To kind of prove it's all going to be okay. Because he also says like to her here, exactly. Because he says, verily, we're, we're going to return him yeah, to Yeah, I was going to mention how they were going to be like reunited so it's like a promise that Allah has given her yeah and we're going to make him of our messengers so already when Allah gives her like this inspiration to put her son like her baby that's a big thing because anything could happen the child could drown the basket like anything could have happened to the basket could have been destroyed somebody could somebody else could have picked it up and when you think about so like how helpless the baby is like in a massive river there's just so much that can go wrong like it's like the basket can drown to show that if Allah wants something to happen, all he has to say is be, and it will be. Yeah, and the mother of Musa had this tawakkul in Allah as mm. well. Yes, she was backed into a corner, but her baby might have had a longer chance of surviving potentially if she went and hid with it or something. Yeah, yeah. Probably not, but the point is that Allah gave her away, and he also promised her about the future. We see this with all these women. Like, the tawakkul for Allah is unbelievable, subhanAllah. But anyways, going back to the point I was saying, mm-hmm. so um, the mother told Moses' sister to follow yeah. the basket from a distance. So the sister then went ahead and started following the basket. So I guess in a way that was also reassurance for the mother just to find out where the basket is going to like go and if it went somewhere like Yeah, it's kind of smart. Just, like, reassurance. And the sister, that's when the sister found like the family of Fir'aun. So the basket travels all the way down the river, somehow miraculously hasn't drowned, hasn't bumped into anything, no one's picked it up. The baby's still alive. But obviously, maybe you can't see that at this point. Mm-hmm. But it goes all the way to the palace. And Allah had intended for Musa to be found by the people of the palace. Yes, and it's, it's quite you know interesting. Is that, sorry. People probably think it's going to basically the dragon's den. Yeah. It's... So the person who wants to kill all these kids, and it's the year of the killing, basically. Yeah. So it's like, what's the hikmah behind it? You know, it shows us that we 
our brains do not understand certain things. We can't see the bigger we picture. We can't. Because some of the um, talks I've seen, they've said that Firaun would have known that he was um, Bani Israel from his physical appearance because of the race thing. Yeah, and also why would there be a, a baby in a basket floating around without Yeah, and the way it was dressed and everything. And so it's going straight to the threat. Yeah. And um, the, they picked him up. And actually, it says in the in this ayah 8, So the people picked him up, but it was intended that Musa was going to be like an adversary and a cause of sorrow for them. Like they're so oblivious. Because yeah. obviously, like it goes back to what you were saying about the dream. Like this, he was that son who was going to be the cause of Pharaoh's downfall. Yeah. But they're all so oblivious to it at this point. You know what's crazy? He was brought up in the household as well. Yeah, that... It's, he was, Pharaoh was basically bringing up and nurturing his, his enemy. Like, the death of him. So Pharaoh, obviously, the babies come, everyone, like, gives him a heads up. By the way, random baby floating in the river. Um, quite obviously from Bani Israel. And he just wants to execute him. Yeah, his thing is, let's just kill him straight away. But Esia convinces him um, to keep Musa, and she says, um, So she says, A comfort of the eye for me and for you. And then she continues, uh, continues to say, So then she continues to say, Kill him not, perhaps he may be of benefit to us, or we may adopt him as a son. And they perceived not the results of that. So they did not know the bigger picture of it. But also it goes back to the fact that they they didn't have a child themselves. Yeah. So it was like the rahmah of Allah as well to allow Asya to not have a child with Firaun. Yeah. First and foremost because That's he was basically point. like a tyrant. Yeah, and it just wouldn't have been like fair. Yeah. And that could have also been a reason to why she was so open to keeping this child. Yeah. You know how these some of these scholars, they do little talks sometimes. So this one sister was saying that the syntax of the ayah is so interesting because you know how you pause after walek um, mm. when you said joy of the eye or coolness of the eye for me and for you. Yeah. The next word is la. In another qira'ah, according to the video that I watched, it's actually walek la in another in another reading. Mm. And so it's actually not going to be. So it's like saying eyes. a coolness of the eye for me and not for you. Wow. I know. Which is, I mean, it's interesting, but like it's just one of the miracles of the Quran. Like Allah knows, but. It's like obviously, a hidden truth as well. It's a hidden truth because obviously he grows up to be a coolness of the eye for Asiya, but not but for Fir'aun in any way, shape or form. But you know, the next few ayahs are so beautiful because yes, we're focusing on Asiya, yeah. but we have to see how Allah does Musa Islam's mom justice as well. Yeah. And Allah says, وَأَصْبَحَ فُؤَادُ أُمِّي مُوسَى فَارِغًا The heart of Musa's mother became empty because mm. she's put her baby in the river and... She now knows that Pharaoh's people... I like, yeah, the daughter would have told yeah. her that he's gone to Pharaoh. But even though she might know that he's still alive, her baby's not with her. And yeah. if he's in the palace, like, how, like, how is she going to get there? Like, there's no way, except for the fact that Allah's promised her that she's going to be reunited with him. Yeah. There's no, like, logical or natural way that she's going to see her baby again. Yeah. That could have been given her comfort, though, remembering that Allah has given her promise. Yeah, so but, even though she was going through that, she could have still like yeah. that could have been um, the reason why she kept going, basically. Yeah, but it's so beautiful that Allah like He describes it in the Quran that the heart of the mother and Musa's mother because it just shows that 
Allah's mercy is that he, like obviously Musa is part of a bigger picture in terms of what he's going to do for liberating Bani Israel yeah. and how he's going to stand up to Fir'aun. But Allah has not forgotten even his mother. Yeah. It says that إِنْ كَادَتْ لَتُبْدِي بِهِ لَوْلَا أَنْ رَبَطْنَا عَلَىٰ قَلْبِهَا لِتَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ So it was almost as if she was going to disclose the matter. Like she was going to actually reveal that Musa was her son. Yeah. But we strengthened her heart. Like we made it strong with Iman so that mm. she remained a firm believer. And then it was it kind of describes what you said about how she tells Musa's sister to follow him. And... um they didn't know this so there's all these hidden underlying stories and Allah knows the whole picture in fact in the Quran we don't even know what other things were at work here but it was all part of such a big plan that number one this child will be born in one of the years all sons should be killed that all the sons of Bani Israel were being killed then Allah is going to inspire his mom then he's going to put him in the river he's going to carry him through the river his sister is going to watch Mm -hmm. which is pivotal as well yeah and then he's going to go to the palace and I can't lie, he's now going to be brought up in the best place possible. It wasn't just that there was an issue of surviving. Yeah. He's doing he's more than surviving now. Best. Yeah. Exactly. Which is crazy to think that Pharaoh's resources and whatnot are literally going into <laughs> the person that is going to take I him down. I feel like in a way the, way, the way Allah did it was kind of to mock Pharaoh. 100% because Pharaoh obviously is saying I am God I am God it's a taste of your Allah. own medicine you thought and this guy was Allah your son. was like watch you're watch. now going to have somebody who's going to grow up in your palace and there's so much about they, they don't understand they don't know they were so oblivious yeah. to all of it and then Allah he, his miracle with Musa salam, which is what helps him reunite with his mom, mm-hmm. is that um, Allah made it so that he would refuse milk from anybody who tried yeah. to feed him so obviously when Fir'aun agrees to keep him the first thing they're worried about is okay we need to find someone who's going to feed the baby and it's not back then like it's not hit like now where we can get formula and yeah, all this yeah. stuff like the only way a baby is going to stay alive is if someone's there to feed them mm-hmm. and they and to got be honest that year there would have been many mothers who didn't have kids to feed but was producing milk still yeah but I think they would have probably tried to stick to like I don't know. Do you think they would have stuck to Egyptian um, wet nurses? I actually don't know. Because obviously they were a bit racist and classist and everything. And that's how society was. Allah knows, but maybe because he wasn't accepting anything, they just started yeah, so they, they, branching out. Exactly. So they brought in so many wet nurses to try and feed him and he would not take to any of them. And then... And you know kids, can't, like especially babies, they can't survive a very long time without eating. They have to like eat every two hours. Yeah, and a normal baby actually would just drink anyone's milk. If they were really hungry, probably, yeah. No, but even if they weren't really hungry, like if, they, if they're if they due, sorry, if they're due feed, a baby's not going to be smart enough to know the difference. It just goes to show like Allah's like smartness about it all. How he just, he want, he basically keeps to his promise and the way he keeps to his promise by not allowing the baby to have that connection with anybody else or like drink from anybody else. I can't lie, this is like full-on epic, but you know, um, did you ever see those conspiracy theories about how Kung Fu Panda is kind of like the story of Musa Islam? Huh? Okay, okay, hear me out, yeah? Sorry, there's a bit of a diversion. Pro the Panda, okay? This is, if you haven't watched this cartoon, please go watch it. It's very educational. Not for religious reasons, just for great, great cartoon reasons. Okay, <laughs> it's actually so good, but basically, good the, the story is... Random baby shows up at the duck's house, but it's baby panda. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like completely different from a duck. Yeah, I, it's a bit weird that you didn't know he was adopted for so long, but we can skip that bit. Okay, the first film, whatever, he becomes a dragon warrior. It's not really relevant, but he becomes Big Shot. Yeah. The second film, though, when we have Shen, that's interesting. Because Shen is the peacock, remember? Mm-hmm. And he has that dream that a warrior of black and white is going to kill him. And so he kills all the pandas. Okay, I need to go and watch number two. Bro, he kills all the pandas and Poe survives. And then Poe comes back to kill him. Oh, my God. And then in the third one, he finds all his family. They were hiding in the mountains. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I can understand why you made the comparison. But loads of people used to say, they used to say that like DreamWorks or whatever it is was really struggling. So they looked at the Bible for inspo. <sighs> probably. It doesn't really surprise me though. They probably do. Yeah, have but it was a bit stories. so specific. The whole dream thing and then. Yeah. And, and then the warrior of like... black and white. And he tried to kill them all. Wow. Yeah, man. Anyways, go back on track. <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. Um, and then obviously when he refuses all these wet nurses, Musa salam's sister is ready because her mom told her to follow and she's a smart girl. Yeah. And she goes, I well, wonder how old she was. I don't know. Must have been I a think bit she might have been a bit young. Yeah, but she was, she's very like smart the way she does it. She goes, yeah. oh, I can point you in the way of um, a house of people who will feed him. And, she, and, they'll like be sincere, and she said they'll be sincerely attached to him. Yeah, it was like she just knew. And at this point, they're desperate, right? Because they've probably tried all the royal wet nurses yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And then the ayah says, uh, after that, فَرَدَدْنَاهُ إِلَىٰ أُمِّهِ كَيْ تَقَرَّ عَيْنُهَا وَلَا تَحْزَنْ so then we returned Musa to his mother so that her eyes would find comfort, like to cool her eyes and to basically bring peace back to her eyes and comfort them. And so that she wouldn't be sad or grieve and that she would know that Allah's promise is true. But most of them do not understand and that's kind of the whole link to like Pharaoh. It's just amazing though how the mother managed to like have her child and have her like him back on her lap and just like let him feed and have and she would have had access to him that whole Basically, time to whenever. feed him yeah she had her son back in a certain type of way she was able to still keep him alive yeah and the thing is then Musa salam he basically is in a situation where he's in the best place. Yeah. This is brought up by Essio, isn't it? It's just yeah, but he's brought up in the palace. Like, he's getting full-on royal treatment. Yeah. Which, even if he was living normally in at home, we knew, like, Bani Israel were seen as second-class citizens. So he would have never had had as much, I don't know, education and provisions yeah. and everything. Yeah. Essio, actually, she's she manages to dedicate her whole life to basically bringing him up because I think we mentioned it but she was married to Pharaoh through an arranged marriage and yeah. she was very different to him like he was a tyrant and she was a good person which is she why she cared a lot and she was very selfless but Pharaoh was selfish yeah and she was very soft and and because of that that's what made her like convince him to keep the baby yeah. alive because she didn't want him to kill yet another child yeah. so then it kind of it kind of would have been a mercy for her, like you said, that she didn't have to have a child with Fir'aun, but yeah. Allah still gives her the pleasure of being a mother and having a child that she can dote on and raise yeah. in the palace. And Musa, salam, obviously, he like she is like we can see her as a mother to Musa. Yeah. Even though Musa has a mother present as well. Yeah, well, maybe not present after she fed him, but Asiya has kind of the status of a mother for him as well. Yeah. 
And she probably did, like, her best to raise him in, like, a very comfortable lifestyle. And, like you mentioned, he was in the palace. Yeah, and Pharaon didn't have the same relationship with him because he didn't really trust him and he gave him tests and all this stuff. But Asya kind of accepted him... As her own. ...unconditionally as well. And subhanAllah, just the way how he ends up being the reason why Asya accepts Islam. And basically, he was, like, the pivotal moment to the reason why Asya is, like, one of the women promised Jannah. Because really, without Musa Islam, without um, Islam being like, present, that could have probably never happened. I, I see what you're saying, yeah. but yeah, I think I think it's just you know, even though I was talking about the cartoon before, it actually is like an epic the way everything fits sorts out. Yeah, like you, I can't, I just cannot imagine how people have the nerve to say things like, oh, like there's a big bang, there's no God, like yeah. when stuff like this happens. This stuff doesn't happen because particles came together and then everything's coincidental. It just goes to show how, like, their eyes are just so covered. Even though they feel like they can see all. And it comes down to, like, what Allah says. Whoever Allah guides, no one can misguide. And whoever Allah misguides, no one can guide. No matter how hard we try. It's true. It's just straight-up ignorance and rejection. Yeah. And so then, as we say, Musa has now entered the palace. Or what you said, the dragon's den. Yeah. But... It's just so, it's straight up dramatic irony. It's like one of them plays, like, Allah knew who this kid is going to be. And he's just watching Pharaoh and Pharaoh thinks he's in control. He -hmm. thinks that he's untouchable. And he's tried to control the situation and do whatever. And he's killing all these children. Can you just imagine, like, after he died and stuff, what people could have been saying? But you know, can you imagine when he found out that Musa Hassan was the one who's going to take him down? Like, I all of that like in vain. The, the humiliation that he could have felt. Because it's like he basically raised him in his own household. And imagine what other people were saying about it. Like, oh, the person who he ended up raising ended up... It's just the way Allah made it it's a, happen, He's a laughing It was sort. like, yeah. And I feel like that actually needed to happen for Firaun because he really thought he was unbeatable. He told society, I'm your Lord. Yes, Allah. Oh, right then, really? We'll show you. And exactly. it was like, let's humiliate you in the process as well. Exactly. SubhanAllah, the way Allah just plans things is just amazing. Yeah. I think that's it for this episode. So stay tuned for the second part where we will go into a bit more details about Asiya. Yeah, and... I feel like the second one we focused more on her. her. So this one was a little bit more like the background and everything, but I think the second one is where we really understand why Asiya is such a lesson for all of us. Yeah. The hardships, because we always say that these people are only at the status and the levels they're at because of the hardships yeah. and stuff that they the went through and had patience through and had tawakko through as well. And her life was hard. damn hard. Yeah. And we definitely see how, like, just a snippet of how she was tested yes. in the Quran and stuff. So we'll see you next time, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum.